It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. We've got Bernie taking your calls today at 1850-333-103. Anything you want to talk to us about? Anything you want to share with us? We'd love to hear from you. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And I suppose we better start by congratulating our neighbours Limerick on their All-Ireland hurling win yesterday. And it just seemed very strange, didn't it, to be sitting down watching the All-Ireland hurling while the Christmas tree lights were twinkling next to the television. It just seemed a little bit uh, surreal but congratulations to uh, Limerick who have now confirmed their status as one of the newest powerhouses in the game of uh, hurling. They became only the second team to score 30 points in an All-Ireland hurling uh, final and but it was a very different All-Ireland. I mean an empty stadium and then, he, then for the team themselves Afterwards, the players had to walk up one by one to the stand uh, to raise the Lee McCarthy to a to a crowd, really, which was only made up of their uh, teammates. But I mean, that didn't in any way take away from how special this is for Limerick. And afterwards, then um, they headed back home on a train, no waiting crowds, and there was you know no planned homecomings, which of course is the absolute very sensible thing to do. And I saw the Limerick manager uh, John Kiley actually urging urging his squad and or the good people of Limerick to keep what he's called keep a grip on your celebrations he gave he said I give a big shout out to all of our supporters family and friends and our clubmates. we wish you were here but we will have the opportunity to celebrate this together so enjoy it soak it up but stay at home he said we'll get everybody together in the Gaelic grounds in March or April and then he says we'll have one hell of uh, a party so uh, just congratulations commiserations to Waterford I think a lot of people were hoping Waterford uh, would uh, do it but um, Limerick too powerful a team yesterday so well done to all involved now people have been urged to please 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 limit our contacts with others in the run up to Christmas there was a rather worrying rise in COVID-19 infections yesterday as the country prepares to ease travel restrictions the travel restrictions are in from the 18th which is this uh, Friday 
The Taoiseach Micheál Martin is warning the imminent rollout of the vaccines will not offer instant relief from the pandemic. And there is that fear that people think, oh, should the vaccine is on its way, we'll all be fine. Should it be all okay to go out and party? It won't. And the vaccine is going to take quite a long time to get out to everyone by the time everybody has it. And by the time we build up herd immunity, that is going to take probably all of uh, next year. But yesterday, 429 new infections. And of course, sadly, there was one further death also uh, reported. Michael Martin straight out saying very concerned about that those numbers and he said what he's saying to people is that every social contact between now and Christmas really matters. He said if people want to enjoy Christmas, if they want to be with their loved ones, particularly if you're planning on celebrating with parents and grandparents, it's extremely important that you watch your behaviour over the coming week. From Friday, people will be allowed to travel outside of the county and of course the reason they brought it in on the 18th was in order to allow people to head home and travel home to Christmas and to be with their loved ones. And there's no indication at this stage if that'll be put on hold if infections continue to rise over the coming months because already a text in this morning from somebody worrying about those figures and saying if those figures continue to rise could it be that Neffert will recommend that on the 18th people are not allowed outside of their country uh, outside of their county we'll have to wait and see we know things have changed around restrictions but at this stage there's no indication that they will say no to people travelling outside of their county from next uh, Friday Michal Martin said he also doesn't believe a third lockdown was now inevitable in January but he stressed that uh, avoiding it was firmly in the public's hand. Dr Tony Houlihan said people must now weigh up the risks if they are planning on heading out in the coming days. Almost, we're almost two weeks now, which it's two weeks tomorrow, isn't it, since we came out of Level 5. Dr Tony Houlihan said he's very concerned that we're seeing the incidence of COVID-19 rising again. The 429 figure yesterday, he said that's a large number of uh, cases by the standard of recent weeks and the five-day moving average now has increased above 300 per day and they had been celebrating and saying well done to everyone when we brought that figure below 300 we were kind of we stagnated around kind of 250 they were kind of anything from 230 to 260 was the numbers every day but now suddenly we're back up at a five day moving average over the 300 figure per uh, day he says the latest figures must be taken as a sign that we must all now reduce our social contact contacts limit our interactions with those outside of our households weigh up the risks when you are socialising or when you're out shopping or whatever you're doing just way up the risks and we need to do that between now and Christmas Day. The Health Minister Stephen Donnelly also says while we can't draw conclusions from any one day, he did acknowledge the situation takes very little to move back into rapid growth and that's exactly what happened back in the summertime when we completely flattened the curve with very low numbers every day. It got to the stage where people weren't even asking what are today's figures because you assumed that the figures were going to going to be low and then all of a sudden they started to rise and then they quickly went back up again and and I suppose nobody really wants that. And by the way, the Cabinet 
will tomorrow consider the plan that has been drawn up by the country's biggest ever vac- for the country's biggest ever vaccine rollout. Paul Reid of the HSC speaking on national radio at the weekend, and this is in relation to the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. He said we've been working on this for quite some time as to how that vaccine is going to be rolled out. We are still waiting on the European Medicines Agency to give the nod for the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. And just looking this morning to get the latest on that, the European Medicines Agency is not expected to give its decision until the 29th of December. So it's going to be after Christmas before they give the nod. But Michal Martin is saying once the EMA say, yeah, this is the vaccine that we're going to initially roll out in Europe, he is hoping that we here in Ireland then the following week we will be ready to start offering the vaccine and of course we know it's going to be initially given to nursing home residents and to healthcare staff. So that's why this plan that the Cabinet will discuss tomorrow is so important that we have everything in place so that when the announcement is made on the 29th of December within days we will be ready to go because there's no point then when the European Medicines Board say yes the, the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine is the one to use there's no point then deciding how, how are we going to, to give it out the plan needs to be in place public health teams and doctors will be involved along with GPs and uh, pharmacies who he said will all be consulted about their involvement. I would have thought before this plan was drawn up that you would have had the GPs and the pharmacists and the public health teams involved. But anyway, uh, who am I uh, to know how these things uh, work? But it always seems to be the group of people that they need to get involved always seem to be the last to be in the know because the pharmacies came out very early on and saying, look, we already have the system in place for administering the flu jab. We'd be in a good position to administer the COVID uh, vaccine. We're ready to talk. And obviously the GPs have been giving flu jabs for years. So they already have systems in place. But again, people need to start talking to them to tell them how they're going to do it. Are they going to have vaccine clinics? Is there going to be vaccine hubs? It's that kind of detail, I think, is what uh, people's looking for, uh, people are looking for at this stage. A texter says, Patricia, with the numbers of cases rising so steadily, yesterday. To me, it looks like a second lockdown will be inevitable sooner rather than later. It was sad to see that so many people were out over the weekend putting so many at risk of spending Christmas safely together after such a difficult year. Well, I I was out at the weekend. I had some shopping to do on uh, Saturday. I mean, definitely the shops seemed busier. But again, I, you know, kept making sure I'm keeping my two metres away from everyone. I wasn't in any shop where I felt a little bit uncomfortable and needed to uh, leave. And then we were out for dinner with Marsha on Saturday night. And again, very well operated tables, a good two metres apart, you know, felt very safe had our meal, had a nice couple of glasses of wine. It just all felt so normal to be out with a, a Christmas tree in the background and Christmas decorations up. But it just, it, it did all feel, certainly where we were, I, I, I couldn't in any way say that there was huge groups of people out socialising. Now, that's not to say that it didn't happen in more urban areas or that it didn't happen in city areas. But again, I go back to, it is personal responsibility. If you go somewhere, if you've booked to go for a meal and you go into the into the restaurant 
restaurant and you feel there's too many people in there, you feel the tables are too close together, simply say to the management, I'm sorry, don't feel comfortable here. We'll come back another time. And it's the very same no matter what shop, no matter what supermarket you're going into. And the hand sanitizers are there. I mean, all of the businesses are doing their very best to get us to come in and shop and to keep money in the local economy. But is there a bit of complacency coming in? You know, certainly on Friday, the number of texts in from people saying that they can't get over when they walk into a shop or a garage, seeing the number of people that just walk past the hand sanitizers and don't use the hand sanitizer is there to be used. You just need to remember uh, to do it. I think the masks, I think we're doing really well with the masks. Everywhere I went at the weekend, people had their masks. Um, and for the first time, I have to say, out on the street, I noticed that there was a lot of people wearing masks as well, which is now the recommendation if you're out in a busy area. You don't have to wear the mask all the time when you're outside. But if you're in a very busy, crowded area with, you know, crowded shopping area, if you're in a shopping centre, for example, pop your mask on and leave it on. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Meg reckons by allowing everybody out, socialising, allowing people into restaurants and gastro bars to eat and drink so near to Christmas, Meg says we will have problems and we're asking for trouble. So Meg was one of the ones against the reopening of the hospitality uh, sector. And then someone else was out. Anna Maria was noticed at the weekend when she was out, there was young fellas. That's, I don't know what she means by young fellas, but we're assuming over the age of 18, so maybe the 18 to 21, 22 year olds. She said they were standing outside a bar, no attempt at all at social distancing, like it was in the smoking uh, area. And uh, she said that they were all very close together and there was nobody social distancing, and that shouldn't be going on. And she reckons that's going on in a lot of places, and that is going to, if one of them happens to have COVID. They're going to pass it on to everybody else and then is there a danger that they will uh, bring it home. 1850-333-103. And here's one from Claire. She wants to know, has this ever happened to any, or has anybody else heard of this happening? She was in a department store at the weekend last Saturday. Hubby needed a pair of boots. So they chose a tan coloured pair of boots. And when the girl arrived with the boots in the box, the colour was chocolate brown. They weren't tan. So Claire said, sorry, no, it was the tan coloured ones we wanted, the ones over there that we picked. And she said, oh, they're the display model. And they've faded because of the lights in the shop. So Claire said, if that is true, then surely that tan coloured boot, when it gets to, it started out as a chocolate brown coloured boot and it ended up tan because of all the lights in the shop, surely that should be removed and it isn't the true colour. And at the end of the day, Claire's husband didn't want a chocolate brown coloured pair of boots. He wanted a tan coloured pair of boots. And she's just wondering, has anybody else ever heard of that happening before that you buy something that, or you pick something that was on display and then when you actually go to pay for it the colour was different and it was because the lights in the shop had turned had changed and that would happen I'm, I'm, well if it was in the lights in the shop you, I could see it happening if it was in a shop window for a long time you would think, you know, on sunny weather, wouldn't you think that it would change colour? But seemingly under the lights of the shop, this chocolate brown coloured boots had changed to had changed to tan. But Claire's point is, should it be removed? Should it be taken off the shelf and put the chocolate brown one back on again so that when people go to buy, they're not buying what they think is a completely different 
coloured pair of boots. Anyway, Claire said she was really surprised by it, never heard of it before and wonders, has anybody heard of it? Anybody in the industry can explain, is that a regular occurrence? The items that are out on display and with a lot of lighting in the shops that it can actually change the colour of the items so much that it goes from chocolate brown to tan. And there's a big difference between chocolate brown and tan. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. Uh, Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103-103. More than one million health insurance customers are facing higher premiums when they renew their annual policy in the coming weeks. With advice on how to save on your premium this year, I'm joined by Dermot Good of TotalHealthCare.ie. Good morning to you, Dermot. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. Dermot, firstly, why do so many of us renew our policies at the start of the year? It's in the first few weeks, isn't it, of January? Yeah, Patricia, about half a million people now got their renewal notices um, just over the last couple of weeks. So you, we tend to just literally, um, it's quite overwhelming actually because so many people land or get the renewal notices to fall or they fall in January. So everybody at the same time is trying to get advice, trying to contact the insurance companies. And a lot of people actually, are, I think, are you know they're learning from previous years where they're not leaving it too late. So we've seen a huge increase in the number of people trying to do the, the work now uh, and basically get it all sorted so they're not doing it over the Christmas or really in the new year. And unfortunately, everybody is seeing their premiums go up, which is another kind of concern for every consumer. So now the increases aren't huge depending on what plan you're on, but people need to realise there's been this creeping effect. So there have been multiple small increases over the last year. So when you look at the cumulative effects, people are probably seeing increases of anything from 5 to 10% on their premium. And then to make matters worse, Patricia, there's a couple of plans that are being removed by VHI. So those members have to seek alternative cover. And uh, Leia Healthcare members, uh, their increase is coming in on the 1st of January. And uh, they are reducing benefits on certain plans as well. So there's, uh, there's a lot going on, which basically means a lot of people have to shop around at this time. By how much do you expect some policies to go up by? I know you're saying 5 to 10%. What does that work out at for, for, for typical families? Yeah, so the typical family, I mean, really, every family, I think, is going to see at least €75 of an increase, which, you know, that's all it is. Year on year, that's not huge. However, some people on the dated schemes, like I was looking at some plans here, the old plan B with VHI, a retired couple will have to pay an extra 136 And The old, let's just say, VHI plan C, Health Plus Choice, that's 264 I mean, some of the layer plans for two adults will go up by between 156 and 266 euro. And Irish Life Health, similar increases of between maybe 194 and 168 uh, for a retired couple. So, so basically what we're seeing is a lot of activity. And really, I just would advise everybody, if you see a sizable increase in your premium, you really need to shop around, you know, um, because there are fantastic deals. And I know I always say this, but there are. Now, the problem is there's 350 plans there. That's the, the, therein lies the problem. It's the number of plans. It kind of it puts is, people off, doesn't it? It does. But, you know, Patricia, here's the thing. And if I look at it another way, it's good that we have so many plans. And people might think, well, he, he's crazy saying that. But, but just think of it like this. I worked in this industry 30 years ago, 20 years when there was only like, for example, 15 plans. Mm. And there was no competition whatsoever. So this is like mobile phone bills. This is like utility bills. There are loads of plans out there to suit everybody's budget. But if you if you sit on the fence, if you expect the insurance companies to come to you with the best deals, they won't. That's not that's not going to happen. Is there, somebody wants to know? Could you ask Dermot? Is there an explanation why the premiums are going up? Yeah, there is. And and look, you know, I'm not defending the insurance companies here now, but 
I have to advise your listeners, health insurance costs are going to go up each year, probably if we're lucky by no more than 5%. And because medical inflation runs at between 5 and 8%. Now, this is covering things like new technologies, new scans, new like new scanners, new all these new, let's just say, x-ray technology, the new prescription, the new cancer drugs that are coming on stream. I know there have been increased payments to some consultants and also to hospitals. But you see, what happens is, Bishop, we want full cover. We want access to these robotic technologies that are available now. You know, so there's all kinds of new, let's just say, procedures coming on stream. And we want access to the best care. That will come with a cost. Um, and look, more people are claiming. We see now more and more, OK, if we, if we and I know this sounds ridiculous. But if we can, the can, they say, can they say that this year that more people are claiming? I mean, there was a chunk of the year where the private hospitals were closed. There was, but bear in mind, uh, Patricia, they gave us money back and they're still doing that. So they did, the private hospitals, you see, there was a three-month, we'll say, sabbatical as such where the private hospitals weren't accessible. Now, 50% of claims still came in for other services, psychiatric services, maternity services, public hospital charges, scans. So it wasn't at all claims stopped. But oh, okay. the insurance companies, they did give us back money. Yeah, and yeah, I VHI, yeah. Well, and, it was very, and, we t- and explain VHI or is- issuing a further rebate, but it's just VHI. Yeah. It's just VHI. So VHI have come out and said that they've actually, they, in other words, they obviously overestimated uh, the expected claims. And now they've said that look, because of that, they're still a little bit left in the kitty. And they're going to give all their members um, who are still active on their books on the 23rd of January, they're going to get a once-off payment of €75 Euro per adult and €25 Euro per child. So that's a little extra bonus for VHI members. But Patricia, VHI members need to be very careful with this. People will think, that's a discount on my premium um, or reduction. It is absolutely not. Your premium is still going up. And in some cases, that reduction that you're, or that, that disc, or sorry, the rebate that you're going to get from VHI, it won't even cover the full increase. Yeah. And so they're, being, they're, they're, they're slightly boxing clever in that you need to still be active on, on the books. So well, if, you, if you decide in January, no, I can get it cheaper somewhere else, you, well, you well, won't get your rebate. You're absolutely right. Now, in fairness, it's very clever in terms of BHI's timing. And look, you can't knock any insurance company that's giving people money back because well, it just true. doesn't happen, right? But, and you've, you've absolutely touched on this, I would say to every BHI member, don't fall ill to, let's just say, that, or fall into this trap where basically you do nothing because of the little rebates. Just think of it like this. Even if you've found a better plan with BHI, you know, you'll still get your rebate, but you might save multiples of the rebate. Or those who are shopping around right now and we've seen a sizable increase in the numbers doing this because I think a lot more people are working from home and they have a little bit of extra time to do it. And people are much more cost conscious now. But like what I'd say to any consumer, Patricia, if you can save €750 Euro on your premium, well then don't be swayed by a once-off bonus of 75 Absolutely. You know, so Absolutely. please shop around. You know? Absolutely. Um, and what are some of the better plans that you might, you, you normally always have tips on some of the better plans that people could look at? Yeah, look, some of the really good semi-private plans. Well, actually, let me put it like this. If anybody is thinking of joining or anybody is under pressure maybe to reduce their costs, and sadly, some people, depending on their industry, they are under pressure. I mean, I would suggest check out the VHI One Plan 250 or the, the Leia Healthcare have the Essential Health 300 or you have the Irish Life Benefit Plan. All three really good mid-level plans costing in around €1,000 per adult. But if somebody's looking for a good semi-private scheme, that gives you money back on their routine expenses. Now, these are the corporate plans that we've discussed many times before, Patricia. I like these plans because, you see, you might not be sick enough to end up in hospital, 
but you might have an injury or, or some kind of chronic condition and you could be spending a fortune on physiotherapy or going to see your consultant or getting x-rays or GP visits. These corporate plans are brilliant. Check out the Company Plan Plus Level 1.3 with VHI, Company Plan Plus Level 1.3, or the Inspire Scheme with Leia, which is probably the lowest cost one right now at 1165, or the 4D Health 2 Scheme with Irish Life. Three really good semi-private corporate plans that for most people will give you everything that you need. One interesting trend, and I'll give you these plans now, Patricia, as well, the amount of people who are inquiring about private rooms in private hospitals. A lot of people are worried about you know, they might have underlying conditions. Semi-private sounds fine, but you could be sharing with four other people. Um, an awful lot of people now are looking at private room plans. Three really good private room plans right now. The VHI have the PMI 4810, which is just over €1,600. Um, Leia Healthcare have the Connect Simplicity at 1360 which is fantastic value at the moment. And Irish Life have their 4D Health 3 scheme. That's 4D Health 3, which is 1577. And bear in mind now, everybody doesn't have to have the same plan on the one policy. Mm. So, you know, you could have a, a couple and one would hate private and the other one really wants private. No problem. They can both be on the one policy, but both have different plans to suit their needs, what we call splitting cover. And if anybody, the mistake that a lot of people fall into here is they auto-renew, Patricia. And they're worried. They're worried about changing. They're worried about losing benefits. They think that they won't be taken on or that they'll be excluded from cover. Absolutely not the case. I can't emphasize that strongly enough. And what I'd say to anybody who really needs to save money or really needs to find better cover, get advice. I mean, that's you do it for everything else. You know, if there's a fee to be paid and you'll save most of that fee, but you're on the right plan, just get advice. There's loads of advisors around the country who basically can give people advice on this as well because it's too important to get it wrong. But at the same time, 50%, more than 50% of people are still overpaying. And if you're paying more than 1,800 per adult, and I'm, I'm calling out to all the, the sons and daughters out there who know that their mum and dads are on really old plans. You know, give them an early Christmas present. Do the review with them or do it for them because you could save your parents a small fortune and they'll still have super cover. Well, I remember the last time you were on, somebody did exactly that, went home to their mum and dad and said, show me that plan that you have there and because it was due for renewal. And it was staggering. It was like €900 Euro she managed to save for her parents, which was a, a sizable chunk of money. And actually, Lisa's worried about her mother. She said, is it true that some plans are dropping cover for, are reducing cover for orthopaedic care? She's worried yeah. about her elderly mother. It is. So what's happening here now, so VHI and Irish Life already have this on a lot of our plans. Leia Healthcare up until recently didn't have this, but they're introducing it. They've introduced it on three or four plans from the 1st of December and another handful of plans from the 1st of January. And we expect it to be rolled out to more plans. So what it basically means, uh, if I take, for example, the 360 care scheme with Leia Healthcare, super cover, 1,907. That plan up until recently fully covered hip replacements and knee replacements and shoulder replacements. Now, Patricia, from the 1st of January, um, anybody renewing, sorry, on the 1st of January, um, what will happen is you will have a 20% shortfall on those procedures. Wow, that's a lot. And and, and will people be told about that before renewing? In fairness to the insurance companies, it will be on page one of your renewal notice in full print. They, they, They are very good at highlighting to people differences, changes, because they're obligated to do that. So we've had a lot of people contacting us who deliberately selected these plans because they wanted the full cover. And now they're worried, even though they know some hospitals will waive it, but they don't want to rely on that. They want that full cover. Now, the good news is there are still plans available from Leia 
that you can switch to where you can continue with the, with the full cover. And there are more expensive plans with VHI and Irish Life that have that. So I would say to anybody out there, if you see a fundamental change in your benefits that you're not entirely happy with, get your cover reviewed. Some people with BHI on the old forward plan and the um, the helpless choice, those plans now, Patricia, have been withdrawn from the market and they've replaced them with an equally expensive plan called Advanced Care. I would urge anybody who's in that boat, please shop around because before you go on that plan that they're suggesting, there's other plans out there that could save you twelve to thirteen hundred euro per oh, adult. Sad. So please don't just lot don't of money. Just roll it off. When you mentioned a private room, I could see the text message ne- nearly exploded with people saying it isn't always possible to get a private uh, room. Uh, Liz says if you're in hospital with private patients, they're not getting private rooms. Somebody else says it's impossible to get a private room in a public hospital. Oh, no, and they're absolutely right. I mean, you, you'll win the lotto before you get a private room in a public hospital. Now, what we're really talking about here now, Patricia, is private rooms in private hospitals, okay. like the Bonds and Cork or the Matter Private and Cork. And, and to be fair, they're absolutely right. Just because you have the cover doesn't guarantee that you're going to get it. It does depend on availability. But to be fair to the private hospitals, if they know you have the cover and if you specifically ask for it, they'll do everything they can to get you into that accommodation. But yes, it does depend on availability at the time of admission. Okay, and then somebody else wants to know, uh, when you're talking of new plans, do they cover pre-existing conditions? Uh, And I know, I'm assuming what this person is talking about, and people are worried about changing. Oh, I can't change because I have a pre-existing condition. You can still change plans. Absolutely. And this is one of the biggest myths out there now. So let me just reassure all your listeners on this now, Patricia. For example, if I am fully covered for hips, knees, shoulders and cardiac and I'm covered up to semi-private and I switch to another plan either with the same company or with another company that gives me the same cover, albeit much cheaper, then I am on cover straight away. In other words, once I have five years continuous cover under my belt, they must cover me straight away. I can go in the next day and have my hip replaced and the new insurance company must and will pay the bill. That's the law, okay? And in fairness to the insurance companies here, there's no messing with this whatsoever. It's black and white. So people need to realise you will be covered. The only people who have to worry about pre-existing exclusions are the people who are joining as new members. For the first time, yeah. Or if I don't have five years continuous cover. If I have five years continuous cover, then the only thing you have to be aware of is the upgrade rule. In other words, is the new plan that I'm switching to, does it give me better cover? If it gives me, for example, a private room versus semi-private, I might have to wait two years for an existing condition before I get my private room, but I still have my semi-private, so I'm no worse off. That's the okay. thing too as well. Okay. So but please get advice. Don't sit on the same plan because all you're doing is throwing away savings of literally 500 to 1,000 euro per adult. So just be careful with that. Better off in your pocket than in somebody else's. Listen, Dermot, as always, you're a mind of information. Thank you for that. Have a great Christmas. Thank you, you too. And we'll speak again in the new year. Take care. That is Dermot Good of TotalHealthCover.ie. And honest to God, heed that man's advice. He can save you money. 1850-333-103. Cork salon owner Joseph Byrne has become well known in recent years for helping out the needy and in particular people who find themselves homeless. This Christmas is no, is so different for everyone but it hasn't stopped the gang at Joseph's Hair Salon from helping out to find out more. Hairdresser extraordinaire uh, Joseph Byrne joins me. Did you like that introduction Joseph? Good morning to you. Patricia was amazing. I feel like I'm going on decks back or something like that. Which Listen, I might be doing next year anyway. You, uh, money. you are collecting for local charities again this year. Did you, did you kind of soul search about whether you do it or not this year? 
No, I never sold search. What I want, I knew I wanted to do, and I wanted to do more this year because there's certainly more cases out there. But I was heartbroken that I couldn't open the salon for the homeless this year, and and uh, people that you know we normally have a full day of free haircuts for the homeless and yeah. people in need, and we can't do that, Patricia, this year. So what I've done instead is I put out vouchers, I've given vouchers that the person can come, make an appointment, and come individually into the salon, of course, nobody will know their business or whatever, ah, but they're speaking for haircuts. So you're it's a way to do it, you know, and maybe it's a way to go and do it in the future as well, you know. Yeah, because the oh. it, tra- traditionally it was like an open house. People just turned up and of course you can't, in, in the current times we're living in, you can't operate uh, you like can't, that. No. But are you, I did I see online you're collecting the selection boxes? We're collecting the selection boxes, Patricia, and we're also collecting pyjamas and toothpaste and toothbrush and things like that. And especially a bit of stuff like that for Dale House and Coonley Refuge. Because in a situation like that, when someone goes there, they go with nothing. They literally don't have a toothbrush or pyjamas or anything. So, you know, and so, such a turnaround in these places that they need new stuff most All of the time. All the time, yeah. Yeah, so... And, and people, people have been kind uh, People have been kind this year in donating? Patricia, you have no idea. They're actually ringing me up saying, you know, because it's coming such a regular thing now. So what can we do for you this year? And also people are giving me cash, which is fine. I prefer to get selection boxes and things. But when they do get cash, I'll buy €25 Euro voucher from Super Valorality or something like that. Because, again, they need to have a voucher to buy food. What I mean, when they go to those places, they need to be self-sufficient as well. And, so, the, yeah, and the need this year greater than ever, you reckon, Joseph? As you know, Trisha, only for, you know, a lot of businesses, a lot of people have been out of work, a lot of, I'd say, Katrina Penny dinners, people that were given last year are getting this year, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. There is a huge amount out there now at the moment, and there's, you know, this year has been very, very tough on most people, so... Yeah, I know the, soci- the, the societies of Vincent de Paul saying the same thing, that people who on previous years had donated to them are suddenly, and it's very hard for people to pick up that phone and say, we need help, and we're encouraging Absolutely. people... Do you you know your time will yeah. come again when you'll be able to donate? But if you need the help, you know, reach out and look for it. Yeah, and Patricia, the thing is, a lot of people don't. Some, you know, they're very, very proud, and and they won't. And this is where I think the, the vouchers come in handy because I give the vouchers to Katrina Penny Dinners, and she just, you know, she fair idea then who will need them, yeah. and the person coming in, into the salon. This what I think is great, and even the girls won't know. And you've—I've spoken to you in the past about, particularly on those days when you'd have the open house for for homeless people to come in and get their their hair done. You've spoken about how emotional it can be to wash somebody's hair and what it means to that person. Yeah, as I say every year, the one particular guy that I did shampooed his hair was actually the shampoo the warm water and the physical contact. He got emotional, which is he said he hadn't been is close to anybody in years, someone to have a physical contact with him, to talk to him, to call him by his first name. You know, it was, it, it, and I think it was just the hands and sash and the scalp and the, the clothes and then cutting the hair and blow drying it and sitting down and having a chat. It was very, it was very intimate and, I, you know, he was quite emotional. And if you have said that to me, you know what I mean? And like, like Patricia, most years when they come in out, they're so used to coming in, they'd be hawking and kissing and delighted and they say, oh, this is a start for Christmas now for us. And if you want to come to Joseph, Christmas has come, you know. Yeah. 
and, that's and as you say, because of yeah, yeah, because of yeah. Of, of this year, it's been yeah. a tough year, uh, Joseph, for everyone. But for hairdressers and people in the beauty industry, I mean, your salon twice had to had periods of time where it was closed. How difficult has it been for you personally and your staff? Um, very, Patricia. I think for me, the second lockdown was very tough. I think I got you know I was quite. I won't say depressed, but quite emotional second time closing up. I felt, oh my God, when is this going to end, you know? Yeah. And there's such, you know, there's such a vulnerable category out there and there's such, I would have a lot of clients that come to me that live on their own and it's just coming to the salon is there, is there out and is there day to get dressed and come down and have the chat and all that. And even now, Patricia, when they come in, you have to have them out in a certain time to the very, um, you know, there's no bit of crack or there's no bit of warmth in it. it, it it's just, do the hair, take the money now to gas, you know. And wearing of masks. That kind of it, though, right. Is the wearing of masks difficult to have the chat? I find for myself, you know, at the moment now we're doing 12-hour shifts on after day because to get my Christmas stuff organised. But from now on, we're doing 12-hour shifts. And you literally, Patricia, had the, tw- the mask on for that whole 12 hours yeah. and it's so stifling. And then there might be someone saying something, you know what I mean? And the dryer's on, they're talking to the mask, I'm talking to the mask, I can't hear what they're saying. Yeah. You know, it is, it, it's all, and even when you're shampooing somebody's hair. But going back to being a tough, it was a tough year, Patricia. I just hope now next year will be a whole new beginning for everybody. You know Listen, I mean? vaccine on the way and we'll get back, back to normal. And, you know, this time next year, I'll be chatting with you and you'll have your day organised and all the homeless people will be coming back into you, I guarantee you. Absolutely. Well, uh, it'll, it'll, yeah. it'll, it'll, all, it'll all be fine. Bring it on, yeah. And you know something, we were very thankful. We have so much to be grateful for as well, Trish. We have to realise that we're alive, we're well, and Cork people are amazing for giving. Just unbelievable, you know what I mean? We're, we're class in our own. Yeah, we're a generous bunch for sure. So and people can, people can drop it into your, your good self on the Glasheen Road. Into the salon, yeah. Carl's and myself will take it and we'll store it up and we Darren and my husband myself do two or three deliveries a week then and off we go. You're brilliant, you're brilliant. So, somebody said, may, may God reward that man for helping the homeless. That's one of our listeners called uh, and it's it's uh, Joseph Byrne. It's Joseph Byrne I'm, I'm speaking with and somebody else says, what a fantastic guy uh, Joseph Byrne is. Long may he and his staff continue uh, the great work that they're doing. That's that that's terrific. And, well, and you're doing... Thank you to our callers for sure. and, and to you a very thank you and happy Christmas. Ah, uh, listen, listen, listen and it's, it's always our delighted to for every one of stuff I like <laughs> myself. Uh, come here. When you said you're doing twelve-hour shifts, are you are you flat? Are you flat out booked? Maybe is it is it oh, all booked oh, out? Oh, yeah. Oh, but you see, I won't say. I find it tough to say no to someone. So you know, I can do. I can do a call at eleven o'clock at night. I'd be doing. You know, um, I've no problem looking after someone eleven, twelve if they come in at that time. Um, last week I started at eight. I finished at half ten one one day. Now you keep going because you're flying, you're on drill, and you're having a great crack. But when you go home, then you're wrecked. You're collapsed, and yeah. you eat then you see I'm eating rubbish now at the moment because <laughs> I'm not eating properly. I know but you got. You have to look after yourself. Oh, I have a husband now. Patricia looks after me very Does well. Does he? Like <laughs> <tell> he <his laughs> credit. Well, you need you need to look after yourself because we we need we need you in good health. That's the most important thing. Listen, happy Christmas to you, Joseph. Patricia, many happy returns, and thank you very much for everything. And we'll speak again in the new year. To all your listeners. God bless.
Look after yourself. Take care. Bye bye. He's a great man. That is uh, Joseph from Joseph's Hair Salon on the Glasheen Road. And and you could hear it. He's devastated himself that he can't do the day that he normally does uh, for the homeless. He's a a terrific guy. But if you're around there and you want to drop in some selection boxes or pyjamas or toiletries that uh, he gives to the refugees, uh, please feel free to drop them in. 1850-333-103. Bernie is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 18. You can text her WhatsApp 08. 6 Some of your calls uh, coming into the programme. Firstly, some reaction to the listener who was in a department store at the weekend. Hubby wanted a pair of boots. They picked this lovely tan coloured pair of boots when they went to pay for it. They noticed that the boots in the box were chocolate brown, not tan. When such the shop assistant, sorry, you've given us the wrong colour. They said, oh no, the ones you had on display have faded because of the lights in the shop. And she, this was Claire and Mallard, she said she'd never heard of it before and she was wondering, is it is it quite a common thing? And it seems to be. Uh, Colette uh, says, I worked on window displays for a number of years and yet... And yes, hot lights can cause items to fade, particularly if they're in a window. Um, But to have faded from chocolate brown to tan, Kalesh reckons they would have had to been on display since surely the summer time in order to fade that badly. But she says she has seen jeans where they are folded dark blue and then when you open them up um, they're dark blue underneath but the part that's been out of the light has become stonewashed. This will particularly happen if jeans have been in a window under very bright lights including the sunlight coming in on uh, top of it. Klet says she also had personal experience of buying a clutch bag for a wedding. Bought the bag, everything was fine, took it out on the day of the wedding and it was only when she was at the wedding she had noticed it was half faded on one side but she didn't notice it until the day and she's seen it happen on shoes as well they can fade on one side so you do need to be careful so it's common enough it seems it's common enough and with some other people on saying the same thing Patton from Moist says yeah shoes change colour he says also supermarkets and shoes changing colour he said supermarkets this is according to Pat have special lights over the vegetable section and it makes them look fresher I'm going to have to check that out when I'm in a supermarket. So he said maybe the shop lights, the shoe shop lights were using special lights but to cause them to fade that much. And AJ Amalo says he bought a pair of boots a few years ago and they had been on the display in the window and it was obviously during summertime. The front of one of the boots was faded but he actually got a discount. They sold it to him at a discount because it was slightly faded but he was also given a tin of renovating polish. He's wearing the boots for four years and they have been perfect since. Thanks for that, AJ. 1850-333-103. Elizabeth in Cork City was on today. She just got a text from Lotto. They had her name correct and everything. She was asked to click on a link. She didn't click on it. She is sure that it's a scam. That's a new one. I'll have to check that one out. So be careful of texts coming from Lotto. But then again, why would Lotto have your name? Why would Lotto be contacting you? think about the way we buy our lotto tickets your name isn't handed out in any way so the alarm bells would ring straight away somebody purporting to be from lotto and you need to click on a link and someone says Patricia we need to congratulate oh, this is this is Mike in Cantork thank you Mike uh, please congratulate uh, Mick Winters from Cantork whose horse won the big race in Cheltenham on Saturday wasn't that just Amazing what happened. Uh, Mick Winters stealing the show as uh, Chatham Street lad. It won the Caspian Caviar Gold Cup at uh, Cheltenham and literally 
Mick Winters was rolling around the parade ring at Presbury Park and I just thought it made me laugh out loud when I saw the little video clip that was doing the rounds on Saturday afternoon as everybody says Michael Winters absolutely stole the show. He had said before the race that he'd be rolling in the mud if the eight-year-old won and that's exactly what he did and he did it live on TV. He said in the interview, he said, I said if I won I'd be like a pig and I'd roll in the muck and that's what pigs do so I had to back it up <laughs> and he did and obviously congratulations to the jockey as well Darrow Keefe who rode the horse to victory it was a terrific win and in normal times there'd be huge celebrations going on in Cantork but I, I take it people in Cantork and indeed the whole Cork area were absolutely thrilled for McWinters and that big big win at the weekend it was uh, terrific and I had mentioned at the top of the hour and I should have mentioned Mick as well I mentioned Limerick and I was congratulating our neighbours Limerick on their All-Ireland win uh, yesterday. Hi Patricia, did anybody else think that Declan Hannan, the Limerick captain yesterday that his speech was very touching? And I'm going to have to check out his speech because I watched it but then I got distracted and I didn't watch his I, I saw him actually laying out the piece of paper he was all ready for it but I got distracted and I missed the speech so I must take a listen back to that but this particular listener thought it was a very touching speech did others notice uh, that and hi Patricia I'm a listener in Cork City and I'm just wondering if you can find out is it true that many schools in the Midlands are closed due to Covid if it is true then how come we haven't heard about it is this all part of a cover up are we sacrificing all school workers in order to keep children in school? I'm asking especially in reference to the situation in Clare Morris as well, what is actually going on here. Now, I, I simply don't know. I can't find anything online to tell me that there are a huge number of schools closed in the Midlands. So unless anyone has family members living in the Midlands, that can tell us are their schools closed or, or not. I mean, what the listener is talking about is the situation in Clare, ba- Clare Morris Boys National School in County Mayo. They made the announcement, the principal and the board of management made the announcement to close last Friday and they were concerned about the number of COVID cases in the school. Now, it's a small enough school. There is 125 pupils and they've had a dozen cases of coronavirus amongst the pupils. So they took the decision, the principal, uh, a gentleman by the name of Mark uh, Loftus uh, and the Board of Management and they took the decision to close the school but the Department of Education moved in on that and said no way Jose and they said that the school had to open today. So that school has reopened, was initially due to close but the department said no. When the department was pushed on they said that they don't comment on individual cases but they say the schools are required to follow public health advice on whether to close or not close following COVID-19 cases and they felt even though 12 cases from a school of 125 is what 10% of the children in the school have COVID so the school kind of felt that was a lot and decided that they would close early but they've been told no that they must reopen and I'm assuming it'll be up to individual parents whether they and no doubt we'll hear later on because it got a lot of media publicity at the weekend so I'm assuming we'll hear later on today as to how many children actually turned up for school or not but 
going by what's happened in Clare Morris, if an individual school decides to close, they can't just close. They need to get on to the Department of Education and tell them what they're doing and then get the go ahead from the uh, department. But they've been forced to reopen today. And of course, they're not the first. The It's the second time, wasn't it? Remember, wasn't it um, Tarbert Comprehensive School in North Kerry? They have, they're a bigger school now, 520 pupils school there. They told pupils and parents it was closing immediately uh, due to the need to protect the health of the school uh, community. But they were also ordered to uh, reopen. So schools are not simply allowed to make that decision on their own. But I can't find anything um, to that listener to say that many schools in the Midlands are closed. As I say, we'll give it out and see if any of our listeners have family members living in the Midlands and can tell us are schools open or not. I'm assuming if there was a lot closed, we would be hearing about it. Particularly the Claire Morris one has got so much media attention for trying to close and then they can't close that if there was a cohort of schools closed, I think we would be hearing about it. 1850 333 103. And then on Friday, we had a call in from a listener saying could we find out and could we get it confirmed was it true that Cork County Council had decided that from the new year they are going to start charging for the fire service attending domestic house fires so if you call if God forbid your house goes on fire and you need the good services the fire brigade the Cork County Council fire service to come out are they going to charge for that? So we got on to Cork County Council and we have a statement back from them saying that Cork County Council's budget for 2021, which was unanimously passed by elected members, includes the introduction of a fire service attending charge for private domestic properties. It's capped at a maximum of €1,500. The introduction of this charge will form part of an additional funding stream to enable Cork County Council sustain service deliveries at 2020 levels while also supporting new projects to support the local economy. So it's a way for Cork County Council to make money. So be aware of that. I mean, God forbid that none of us would have the need to call the fire service out. And if we did, if your house did go on fire, I don't think you're going to be thinking about charges. I don't know what way the charges are going to come in, at what level they're going to come in. Does it depend on how long they're at your house? Does it depend on the size of the uh, fire? But it's capped at a maximum of €1,500. But it was unanimously passed by the elected members of Cork County Council. So just to that listener who contacted us, we can confirm that it is true. Those charges are going to be introduced by Cork County Council from, I'm assuming, 1st of January 2021. 1850 Bernie taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Ingredient Solutions, they're based in Bohrbui. They're looking for a junior office administrator, while a deli assistant is required in the Toker Industrial Estate in Cork. Robert Tyner Horse Racing, they're based in Kinsale. They're looking for a racehorse exercise rider and some stable yard staff. And the Bon Secours Hospital in Cork, they are currently recruiting for a cardiac psychologist for a maternity leave contract. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. 
Now, teachers are concerned about rising levels of anxiety among primary school children here in Ireland. It's according to a landmark study called Children's School Lives. It was carried out by researchers at UCD's School of Education. And to discuss the findings, I'm joined by Professor Shanine Sloan, who worked on the study. Good morning to you, Shanine. Hello, Patricia. You're, Thank you very much for having well, me. Well, you're very welcome. I suppose just to... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync... Things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Get the background. Who commissioned this study and how many schools took part? And within the school, who did you speak with? Okay. Um, Well, the study was commissioned by the National Council for Curriculum and Assessment, or the NCCA. And I suppose it was commissioned um, really as a key priority for them in terms of their work on curriculum and assessment and the redevelopment of the primary school curriculum in Ireland. And really, they they, they want that redevelopment to be evidence-based, but really importantly, to ensure that children's voices and experiences at school are informing the process and really in recognition that children have rights to have the right to influence um, the matters that affect them most. And of course, schooling is uh, is one of the, the institutions that they spend a huge amount of their time in. So uh, it's really important that their experiences and voices are shaped in that process. So you spoke um, with children, teachers, and did you speak with parents as well? That's right, Jeff. So um, really... To go back to your, your question about the number of schools involved, the wider CSL study involves 189 primary schools all across the country. So every county in Ireland is represented. Um, within those schools, um, we're administering questionnaires each year with children, their parents, their principals and their teachers. But in about 13 classes, we're, we're also going in real depth as well. And that's the real beauty of this study is that it's capturing with breadth and depth the experiences of primary schooling. So in our 13 case study classes, we're spending a lot of time in classes um, talking to children and observing the learning, but also talking to their parents and their grandparents as well about um, how they're influencing the children's learning and engaging with the school. And did the start of the study coincide with lockdown? Well, actually, our study started 
before lockdown. Our first wave of data collection took place in May, June 2019, and that was with second-class children. So we're actually really lucky in that respect in that we were able to get a picture of primary school in sort of very normal circumstances. But we've actually now continued to follow those children who were in third class during lockdown and are now in fourth class. And we were able to send out a questionnaire to them during the lockdown phase to actually capture what were their experiences of the school closure and of teaching and learning remotely. And talk so to me about that. What, 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 what did you discover? How did children react to the remote oh learning? <laughs> well, it was really a complete shock to us all. Um, <laughs> you know, teachers, children, parents included. Um, and really, everybody seemed to rally round, as we know, to, to support the children in the best way that everybody could. Um, I think what it really showed was that the relational aspects of teaching and learning and how those relationships are so fundamental to supporting children and children's experiences of school. Um, the children told us how much they missed their friends, but also how much they missed their teachers, which really... Um, showed how, how fundamental that relationship is and teachers talked as well about how much they miss the children and um, showing how deeply they care about the children in their class and and worries as well about the more vulnerable children and families um, who may be missing out on aspects of education but also the other aspects of schooling that is so important to children's lives. Is it difficult to say what degree of learning was lost due, due to lockdown? I mean, at this stage, we can't say from our data. We do know that children, the majority of children, or a large proportion of our sample at least, were spending between 10 and 30 minutes um, on schooling each day. So um, so possibly, um, you know, there may be, but the thing is, we're all in the same boat. Mm. So we're all, um, all children were affected sort of um, across the country rather than one particular area. That's a good point, yeah. I suppose over time, because our study is following these children up for a longer period of time um, over the next four to five years, we'll be able to measure that and capture that learning loss to some extent um, and see what impact it has had. But it is important to say as well that while the children were at home with their parents, they were learning in other ways, which may be as important. You know, they were they were spending time doing activities at home that they may have not been able to do had they been in school. So there may be other benefits sort of socially and emotionally and in terms of um, having that additional time with their parents that we'll also be able to capture as well. And I think what the headline that came out from the study that made all of the papers, I think last Friday, was this notion, uh, this idea of, of teachers seeing an increase in anxiety. I mean, we're talking about primary school children that we don't traditionally associate that, you know, that they will be suffering from anxiety. What reasons did the teachers give for this increase? Well, teachers were talking about maybe like their experiences of um, uh, working with children who were, were maybe... Um, experiencing anxiety from issues arising from home and family lives and that that came through as a source of anxiety for children. So things like poverty, uh, family breakdown, um, issues like that that really can become barriers to learning for children when they're, when they're in school. Um, the issue of standardised testing did come up as well but that was sort of separate in our questionnaires with second class teachers and in those questionnaires we asked about their attitudes to standardised testing and there it was over 50% of teachers agreed that there was anxiety about performance on standardised tests on the part of children and their parents and also um, among themselves. However, when we look at that in, in 
conjunction with other um, findings that we have on attitudes to standardised testing, it does suggest that schools are not overemphasising um, the preparation for standardised testing, meaning that they're not spending a lot of um, additional time at home and at school, which is a really positive thing because we know that um, schooling is and should really be about the holistic development of children and young people. Yeah, t- too young to have them stressed out about about an exam. And what about things like extracurricular subjects and activities? Did did you look at that? Did you talk to children about that? We did. So children reported that, that some of the activities that they were taking part in, um, and obviously during lockdown, um, that wasn't possible, and that was a big um, loss for children in terms of the sorts of activities that they would normally have been doing after school, like sports, music, swimming lessons. So a lot of children were reporting pre-lockdown that those activities, um, that they were regularly taking part in those activities. Um, hopefully, you know, once um, once it's possible again um, and children are out of pods and things start to return to normal, um, children will be able to return to those activities. But they have missed out this year and there's no doubt about it. I was saddened to read in your was the results of the survey that two thirds of second class pupils reported that they were never or rarely read to. Are we losing that wonderful tradition of reading to our children? I mean, I think it's important to note that that data was collected with second class children. So I would assume, um, rightly or wrongly, that if we'd collected that data with much younger children, the the percentage may be higher. Um, because obviously as children get a bit older and start to read themselves, um, you know, that, that sort of um, tradition of reading to children and things like that may uh, decrease. And I agree with you, it is, it is sad. Um, you know, it's a really lovely way for parents and children to spend time together. Mm. And sometimes we assume that once our children are able to read themselves, that we as parents don't need to read to them anymore. But I think um, we would definitely emphasise just the the value of parents reading to children, even if the children are able to read themselves, because it is um, a great opportunity to spend time together and build that relationship. And what about technology, mobile phones, smart devices? Did you look at that? Yeah, so we collected information on what devices children have access to. And of course, during the lockdown period, actually, the access to devices was actually a necessary thing for um, are a really fundamental thing for being able to um, access learning materials in a lot of instances. Um, but pre-lockdown, we did find that there was a lot of children that were um, that had a mobile phone. Um, and I suppose um, that there's a sort of safety aspect there as well. You know, with children, when they're away from home, it's important for parents to be able to access them and know where they are. So I can understand why. A lot of children or a lot of parents may feel that their child should have a mobile phone. But teachers did talk about how, I suppose, there was a worry that children have a lot of access to devices, be it a mobile phone, a tablet, a laptop or a computer, and access to social media through those. And while they might be developing more digital literacy skills, that might detract from other more creative or playful activities um, that um, may help to develop other skills their reading skills or their social skills and things like that. So that would be a concern and that's definitely something that has said earlier our longitudinal study given the fact that we're following these children up over time, we'll be able to look at um, factors associated with that and the outcomes associated with it. 
Yeah, and I really, that, that's why, you know, at the, at the outset I said this is a landmark study. I love the idea that you're going to be following this group of uh, children. These, you'll go right right with them up to, when, to going into secondary school. Is that the plan? That's right. That's right. So the second class children that we began with in 2019, we're going to be following them up right through um, until the transition to second level. So we'll collect data with them in first year of second level, which is great because it's only really through following up the same sample over time can we really understand processes and how different outcomes change over time. Yeah, it's a terrific study. We will uh, we will watch it with interest over the next number of uh, years, uh, Shanine. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us and talking to us on the programme. Not at all. Thank you so Good much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. 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 That is uh, Professor Shanine Sloan, uh, who joins us from one of the researchers at UC- UCD's School of Education. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And just actually while I'm on the subject of education and teachers. Um, I don't know how many people saw this or not. It's making, it's in the, it's a piece, it's the, uh, because the Irish Times un- unveiled this, that the, the Department of Education is spending more than two million euro per year. Now wait for this. Two million euro per year posting pay slips to teachers, retired teachers and non-teaching staff. Isn't that just incredible in the era in which we live that that amount of money is spent sending literally posting out pay slips I mean you would have thought at this stage that everybody would everyone has an email address or that the majority of people would have email addresses certainly all the people that are teaching in schools uh, surely would have access to an email address whatever about some of the retired people mightn't have had access to an email but everybody else would you would imagine that the pay slip would be coming out electronically 130,000 department staff are paid fortnightly and a pay slip is issued every two two weeks for the payment. Posting payslips makes up the large majority, more than four-fifths of the overall postage costs incurred annually by the Department of Education. The figures have been released uh, to the Irish Times and it showed that last year in 2019, the Department of Education, their total annual postage bill was two and a half million euro. But when you break that down, just over two, 2.1 million was on the posting out of payslips between all of the different, you know, the primary school, the secondary school. I mean, it's not just the teachers, it would be uh, the the non-teaching staff, the other people involved in the in the school as well. They get paid every two weeks and they get a payslip to go with it. Asked why the Department of Education chooses to post individual physical payslips to employees, a spokesperson said that its priority was ensuring the correct and timely processing of payments. There are 130,000 staff paid on a fortnightly basis on the payrolls operated by the department. The primary objective is to ensure that the staff are paid in time and correctly. OK, I understand all that. That still doesn't tie in with why you need to physically post out a payslip to them. The department also said it would explore options regarding online payslips following an ongoing update to its payroll uh, software. It just seems bizarre at a time when we are 
the country is spending so much money and needs to spend so much money to get us through this COVID pandemic. But at a time when schools are constantly looking for extra funding, you talk to any parent who's got a, a child in a primary or a secondary school and they'll talk to you about the inadvertent commas voluntary contribution that has to be paid to the school because the schools say they don't get enough money from the Department of Education and yet the Department of Education and I know in the overall budget before somebody points that out the overall budget for the Department of Education would be huge but at the end of the day it's still over 2 million euro every year that's paid out that I feel and I think a lot of people will possibly agree with me could be put to better use within the education sphere I'm not saying take the money and give it to another department but use it within the educational department rather than use it posting out payslips every two weeks to a teacher. 1850 Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. D103. Up to 13,000 United Kingdom driving licence holders face being put off the road on the 1st of January as they have yet to apply to exchange their UK licence for an Irish one. Driver licence centres right across the country are experiencing a surge in last minute applications from thousands of UK licence holders. Brian Farrell of the Road Safety Authority joins me. Good morning to you, Brian. Good morning. Now, Brian, we've spoken about this uh, before. Why do you believe some UK driving licence holders have been so slow to swap over to an Irish licence? Good, very good question. <laughs> I, and I really wish I knew the answer to that because, you know, it hasn't been for a lack of, um, uh, you know, telling people of the risks to uh, not getting their licence exchanged in time before the deadlines, the various deadlines that we've had over the last effectively 18 months on on, on this one. So, it, it, look, I, I, I can't answer that question if I'm absolutely honest with you, but what we are doing is we are renewing the call again. And this really is, I mean, you know, people are taking a big chance now if they don't renew, or sorry, if they don't exchange their UK licence. And this, of course, is in the in a situation where someone is living, is resident here in, 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 in the Republic of Ireland, and they hold a UK driving licence. They need to understand that from the 31st of December, regardless of whether or not there is a deal done or not, that license becomes invalid because the UK becomes what's called a third country and in terms of recognising their license. And it's not until an arrangement, a new arrangement is put in place, and and that should happen fairly quickly in the new year. Uh, But, you know, we can't say exactly how long that would take. And in in the meantime... While we're waiting for the new uh, a new arrangement to be put in place, their, their UK license is invalid to drive in in this country. So we're saying get it exchanged and don't delay any further. You can uh, exchange it in an NDLS office or you can now go online. NDLS.ie has been expanded. It used to only take renewals of straightforward licenses, but now we can take all license types uh, for exchange, for renewal, first-time um, learner permit applications on NDLS.E. So you, you've got the option of going into the centre or you can do it online, but please get in and exchange that licence before it's too late. And are there stats there to show that there are that many people? Where are we getting the figures from? That's a very good question. We don't know. We don't have a database of all these drivers and how many hold a UK licence. So in an attempt 
to get an understanding of just how many of those licenses are out there being held by people, we talk to the insurance industry. And they estimated, and I think this is the critical word here, estimated that there could be anything up to 70,000 UK license holders living here in this country. Um, And as you mentioned in in, in your introduction, we've had maybe maybe 57,000 of those uh, license exchanges over the last 18 months, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal number. So we could have anything up to 13,000 of them still out there. But it's really a guess. We don't know exactly how many are out there. But as you said, you know, it's important that if you haven't heard the message that you act now, but if you have heard the message and you've been ignoring it, you really do need to understand that this could have profound implications for uh, your ability to drive legally on the roads and, of course, as you mentioned as well, your licence insurance status. Is it a simple enough procedure? It is, yeah. Um, so long as you have a copy of the licence, your original licence, if you don't have a copy of the original licence and it involves us contacting our counterparts, the DVLA in, in the UK, that will delay things. But it should be a fairly straightforward um, uh, procedure. As, as I mentioned, you, you can you can go into an NDLS centre, you can book appointments. I know people may be worried about the capacity of the NDLS given the pressure the system has been under given COVID-19, but we have increased extra appointments or added extra appointments uh, to the system so they shouldn't have any difficulty getting appointments but also you can, you can do it online as well on ndls.ie uh, and and we, you know, of course that's that's the recommended route so you don't have to go into go to go into a center but uh, you know t- taking action now is is, is 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 the key thing to give you a sense of the application rates i think last week alone we had over 550 applications online of uk license exchanges so there are people out there who I think are, are, are starting to um, starting to take action, but you know, very much leaving it to the last minute, mm-hmm. and, and that is a concern. Joe, Joe and Damanway said we exchanged our UK driving license over a year ago. It was a pretty painless procedure, and it was sorted out really quickly. Well done, and, and uh, g- g- good to hear that, uh, Joe. Yeah. Does it apply to a Northern Ireland driving license? Somebody wants to know. It does if you're living here. Uh, and I think that's a good question because, you know, the, the, there, you know, there has been a little bit of confusion over here. Does this, does this mean that if you're visiting the country, for example, from the UK or Northern Ireland on a holiday, mm. do you need to exchange license? No, you don't. Absolutely not. This only relates to someone who is living, living in the south of Ireland and they hold a, hold a Northern Ireland or a UK license. Now, some people also say that, but I actually am doing some work in the north and I have an Irish license, or I'm I, I'm doing some work down here in the south, and I have a Northern Ireland license. And the critical thing we always say again is, well, where are you living? Where are you normally resident? If you're normally resident in the north of Ireland, but you're working down here and using a Northern Ireland license, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. The key thing here is where you're normally resident, and if you are normally resident in uh, the south of Ireland and you hold a UK or Northern Ireland license, you need to exchange that license. And the reasons why we're saying you have to do it up before the 31st is because I think, la- you know, at the start of this year, the, the, the first agreement that was reached, you could call it a political agreement. And what that did was it extended for a year. It gave us an interim period uh, during which all the usual European laws and directives applied, including the mechanism for the UK to exchange licenses with other European license, European countries and vice versa. But that expires on the 31st 
of the assembly, the mechanism, the legal mechanism that allows us to exchange each other's licenses because we recognise them expires. And that's why you have until the 31st of December to get that licence exchanged because that mechanism expires, it extinguishes after the 31st and we have to put when in place new procedures. When the transition period ends. And it, yes. is, is, is it the same for Irish people living in the UK driving around in an Irish driver's licence? Do they have to exchange theirs? No, they're, the UK are saying that they will recognise uh, those licences over in the UK. So there's there's no action needed, uh, that. needed in that situation. The, the problem here is that uh, on, on this side, you do need to, because we are tied into European directives and European regulations, where... Um, you know, the recognition uh, of a licence of a country uh, depends on the procedures and the and, and the legal frameworks that are put in place. And that, as I said, extinguishes after the 31st of December. So effectively, what we'll have to do is do what we do with some Canadian states, what we do with Australia, what, we, what we've done with New Zealand, where we put in place a system to recognise each other's licences, to facilitate the exchange of licences. And as I said, I think that's, I mean, we expect that to happen fairly fairly soon after the 31st of December. But there may be a gap, there may be a period during which uh, the procedures and the administrative procedures are being put in place to facilitate uh, how we exchange the licences. So you may not be able, so if you miss the deadline, you may not be able to exchange that licence for a period of time. And the critical point we're trying to get across here is that during that period of time, the licence is invalid. And as I said, as you mentioned as well, the... um, your license or your insurance stations uh, would be yeah. affected as well. Yeah, Rosie said our address wasn't acceptable, so we had to change the address. So it's not always straightforward. There can be delays uh, for some people. I don't know what was going on uh, with that. Yeah, I think I think it's you know if you're normally res- I think it's the the uh, li- the address on your on the license versus your actual address at the moment. If there's a if 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 there's a difference between the two, yeah, there's some extra due diligence that you have to do just to provide evidence of where you're living. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Patricia. Question for Brian on your on Brian Farrell on driving license. Do you still need to have a social service card to renew your existing Irish driving license online? You need to have what's called a, a verified MyGovID account and you can get one of those if you have a public service card. So if you have a public service card, you can renew your license online. And the reason for that is it's the only way that we can ensure, and, it, and it's, it's part of a whole government approach to uh, integrating access to government services. It's the highest form of security clearance that we can put into the uh, in, into the renewal process so that we make sure that the only person renewing their license or, or, or accessing their data online is the person who is applying so that's why all of that uh, all of that is in place so yes if you have a public service card you can get a, a verified mygov id and then access um not not just the driving license but other services online on our on the RSA website too. Okay and just to clarify for people because I can see texts coming in on this uh, of John saying are we okay to drive through the UK with our Irish license post Brexit? Absolutely there's no problem there. Yeah absolutely. If and the same for people coming yeah. yeah and the same for people coming home my daughter comes home always in the summer and drives her car she has a UK driving license which she'll st- still be able to drive on that. She's just absolutely. visiting so she will be. Okay, yeah, you're, you're, you're a mine of information as always and we appreciate it, uh, Brian. Have a no great Christmas. Uh, have a great Christmas and we'll talk in the new year. 
Thank you. Bye-bye. God bless. Take care. That is uh, Brian Farrell, who joins us from the Road Safety Authority. And Rosie's back, who had sent in a text when I was talking to Brian Farrell about her address, trying to switch over UK driving licence, except the address wasn't acceptable. She said we had everything in order, but it was an old build converted house so our address wasn't acceptable that's because the computer probably says no and when something doesn't fit in with a computer it's just you can't move you just everything has to change and you have to start from scratch very frustrating Rosie for sure uh, glad to know that it got sorted 1850 questions please for Annalise Drissel a nutritional therapist she'll be joining us after half past 12 today ok get your questions in for Annalise I can already see some coming in of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincott nutritional question 1850 John Bernie's taking the calls she's on her own taking the calls so bear with her if you're having problems getting through but you can text her WhatsApp because it comes straight into me here at the studio to 0862 103 103 now a number of people have been reacting to when a piece, the piece I mentioned in the last hour we had a call in on Friday asking us if we could find out was it true that Cork County Council were going to start charging for the fire service attending domestic fires. So we got into Cork County Council, but it was late on Friday before we got their reply. So I only got a chance to read it out this morning where they say there was it was part of the Cork County Council's budget of 2021, unanimously passed by elected members. Uh, they have decided the introduction of a fire service attending attendance charge for private domestic properties. It's capped at a minimum of €1,500. Now, I remember when I got the initial call in on Friday, I thought, was there not all was a charge a certain charge for fire services I remember having done interviews over the years with some people seeing the unfairness of asking people to pay if they were unfortunate enough to have a fire and I know in other parts of the country they certainly charge when the fire service gets called out anyway there was a number of people contacted us including Jim who said Patricia I had a fire back in 2011 called the fire service I was charged 1400 euro that time so it was definitely there back in in 2011 I was charged but my insurance company covered the cost it was part of my insurance policy house insurance policy said Jim somebody else then says I suppose people on social welfare will be exempt from the fire brigade charges and the rest of us are going to have to pay it and then on WhatsApp Anne in Ballin Temple says, just listening to you on the charges for the house fires, what are we paying local property tax for? And I've just checked with my house insurance policy. I'm with FBD and it actually includes €2,000 for a fire brigade call out. So if God forbid Anne had a fire and had to call out the fire service, she would be covered on her house insurance, which is what other people are saying that it's in a lot of house insurance policies and hi Patricia was there not always a call out charge this listener says a 500 euro for the fire brigade or was that just for a chimney fire so I did a quick while the news was on I tried to find the background to what, what's going on with Cork County Council because it does say in their press release the introduction of a fire service attendance char- charge. So I found a piece online from Cork Independent from this obviously came out at their November meeting of Cork County Council where it was passed and people in Cork who call the fire brigade to a domestic fire will be charged as I mentioned up to a maximum of €1,000 part of the Cork County Council budget for 2021. It comes in on the 1st of January. Previously there was no charge in place 
for fire services, with Cork County being one of the few remaining local authorities in the country not to impose a charge. Because when I looked online, there was lots of other councils around the country and they all had completely different charges. Some charged per hour, some looked for the look for the entire cost, the wage bill of the fire service who attend the fire. Others have a cap of five hundred euro. But Cork County Council have decided to introduce this and it's capped at one thousand five hundred euro. But it is a new charge. It, it wasn't there before. So I'm wondering when some of the other listeners saying that they'd been charged, would they maybe maybe Cork City? has a charge and the county doesn't and it depends on where the fire service where you live and who, who attends your fire maybe that's it but anyway it's a new charge and it's, we'll see if we can find out more about it but it comes in on the 1st of uh, January but a number of people are pointing out what are we paying local property tax for surely local property tax should cover something like that 1850 other issues um, the driving licence and encouraging people if you've got a UK driving licence with Brian Farrell of the Road Safety Authority with Brexit looming. You have until the 31st of December or you will be illegally driving on the roads and the big worry is there's an insurance implication if God forbid something happens. Uh, Nicola says, I submitted my UK driving licence on the 23rd of November. I have the receipt etc but I've heard nothing yet. As I've surrendered the UK one, I currently don't have a physical licence but you have the receipt so if you were stopped by the guard that you'd ask to produce your licence you can explain uh, what is going on. But the 23rd, and where are we today? We're on the 14th of uh, December. I know they're working flat out because a lot of people have left it to now to get the licence transferred over. Maybe if you haven't heard anything by the end of the week, Nicola, maybe give them a call just to see because Rosie pointed out the difficulty she had with the address. Her new address wasn't getting recognised by the system just to make doubly sure that everything is okay. But I'm assuming it is just to do with the backlog and the number of people that are now, they reckon about 13,000 still UK driving licence holders still haven't transferred over. I mean, a huge number have, something like 57,000 have already transferred their licence over to the Irish one. Now, I mentioned Declan Hannan earlier on when somebody said, "Did had I heard Declan Hannan, the captain of the Limerick team, had I heard his speech? And I didn't. Actually, Bernie's downloaded it, but it's too long to read. I'll have to read it when I, when I come off air. But somebody's saying that it was just a remarkable, really good speech. And... Uh, other people were saying, yeah, that they really enjoyed it. Somebody has sent in a very long WhatsApp here. Um, Jim says, Declan Hannan gave a great speech, all right, mentioning everybody in the management, the backroom staff, the county board officials and the family and the fans who couldn't be there. He also mentioned the people who died during the year due to COVID-19 and paid compliments to the frontline staff. Wow, that's not terrific. Uh, Ronan O'Gara tweeted, that Declan Hannan, following that speech, could be the next president, but it looks like he won't be giving up hurling anytime soon with the performance his team gave yesterday. And bad news for teams like Cork, as Limerick will be around for a long while. With 12 of yesterday's team, would you believe, under the age of 25? Well done also, says Jim, to the Cork under 20 hurlers, captained by Duntariff man Conor O'Callaghan in beating Limerick after extra time. And Cork actually scored 114 in the 20 minutes of extra time compared to 112 in the 60 minutes. 
maybe hope for the future of cork hurling even though the cork miners were well beaten by Limerick also uh, says uh, Jim but Jim wanting to compliment Declan Hannan on his great great speech I can see questions there coming in for Annelise keep those coming please what else is uh, into us um, John and Bannon Hassick on the fire brigade call out charge he's another one of those questioning what are we paying a local property tax for is it all going to Dublin and who is likely to have €1,500 in their pocket to pay for a call out I th- well I think am I right in saying that the majority of people have house insurance now that's not to say that everyone has house insurance but the majority of people have and if you look at the small print on your policies most house insurance policies if God forbid you have a fire fire in your house and the fire service get called out your policy will cover it but that's not to say that everybody has fire insurance Uh, I accept that as well Eileen was listening to my piece where we did about the study that's come out on the school children and showing primary school children an increase in primary school children suffering from anxiety which is really isn't that really really sad Eileen is in Mill Street she remembers back in the 60s and 70s when she was in school it would be seen as weakness to say you were afraid or that you were suffering from anxiety it would be something was probably going on but it certainly wasn't mentioned as it was seen as weakness and Eileen said back in the 60s and 70s it was an era where if you were abused by the teachers you didn't open your mouth you didn't say anything and then on the piece that I mentioned that I was taken aback by the Department of Education it's figures that have been released to the Irish Times the Department of Education have admitted that they spend more than 2 million euro every year doing what? Posting payslips out to teachers retirees and non-teaching staff and they get paid every two weeks so every two weeks the payslip has to be paid out has to be sent, physically sent out in the post. I was just taken aback in the era that we live in that so much has gone online that you, I would have thought people would have the option to get their payslips sent online and those didn't have an online, doesn't, you know, don't deal with emails, they would still get it by post. But to think that every single teacher and retiree and non teaching staff, a total of 130,000 department staff, get paid fortnightly and every one of the 130,000 members of staff of the Department of Education physically get a pay slip every two weeks. Uh, the postage one is in itself, I think, is a complete waste of money. But can I also say when I was reading through the figures, because I got a breakdown of the different sections, like the you know, the primary section, the secondary school, the retirees and all of that. Can I say from an environmental point of view, what a waste of paper as well. Anyway, not everyone agrees or, or disagrees. Johnny in Mallow says he is an ex-Aircom employee. He gets a pay, pay slip as well every fortnight. He reckons it's right across the civil service. Don't just blame the Department of Education. So that means if you went to all of the different departments, Johnny, if they're all by two million just on the postage and add to all the waste of paper as well, it's probably a much bigger figure. Colin Bosman, thanks for that, Johnny. Colin Bosman said a private company sends out all the pay slips. He gets his pay slip every two weeks. He is, oh, I'm, I'm assuming, Colm, are you a teacher or a retiree? He's glad to get his pay slip as it helps him to keep track of his finances and he says on posts insist that letters to Santi have a stamp on them and where do those uh, letters go? Um, 
Well, as far as I know, if a child sends a letter to Santi with a stamp on it, doesn't, doesn't Santi send back a letter via on post? I have a funny feeling that they, well, they used to, and I have a funny feeling that they still do. And I don't know whether they insist. I've seen letters go into post boxes with nothing on it. And you know something, it still gets to uh, Santa Claus uh, regardless. 1850 Questions coming in for Annalise. Can you keep those coming as well? Let me just see that I'm catching up with all of the calls that have come in. And then by uh, text, this made me smile from Tim. Tim says, I travelled from East Cork to the city by bus, sanitising my hands as I boarded the bus. My first visit was to Eason's, five minutes from the bus stop. I sanitised my hands again. Next, it was on to the English market. Sanitising was available. I sanitised my hands again. Then on to Paul Street, Tesco and finally Marks and Spencers. Sanitising at the entrances of both shops on the way in. I was in the city centre for one hour as I consider myself a fast mover and I'm not distracted easily from my plans. I did not feel the necessity to remove my face mask, by the way, between leaving and returning. A span of about two hours. Sanitising for the return journey. Was I the most germ-free person in Ireland? Six times in 90 minutes uh, sanitising, says uh, Tim. And actually, you know, that struck me yesterday as well because I've noticed, and I don't know whether it's just me, even though I'm sure I read something online saying some of the retailers are saying the same thing. I find now that when I go out to shop or whatever I need to do, I'm going with a sense of purpose. I know in advance where I'm going to and what I want. I've done very little browsing this year than say I would have done last year when I was doing Christmas shopping. And it's the same when I'm doing any kind of shopping, be it, you know, my big weekly shop or, you know, your midweek shop where you have to fly in to get the bits and pieces. I know exactly what I want to get and I'm in and I'm out. And that's the one thing that certainly COVID has done is to get in and to get out. And I was out on Saturday and I had a a couple of things that I had to do into shops to get and I was in getting I wear contact lenses I was due into Specsavers to get my contact the annual contact lens check up so I had that to do as well and I was in and out and it did strike me the number of times that I had hand sanitised because on entering every shop I hand sanitised and I have a tendency Tim and I don't know if you were the same you know the way sometimes there's a separate exit on the way out if there's hand sanitizer there I hand sanitize on the way out as well as on the way in so yeah we're all very germ free at the moment and we need to keep that up do not let our guard down with the hand sanitizing and even after all of the hand sanitizing when you get in you still have to wash your hands as well keep it up uh, Tim because it certainly will keep you safe and it'll keep your loved ones safe 1850 Bernie taking the calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Celebrate a real Cork Christmas. Find out more at corkcoco.ie. A book featuring images from the Muscari region from 1983 to 1989 is now on sale. It's priced at 20 euro. It's available throughout the Muscovy region and all proceeds are going to the McCroom Tidy Towns Riverbank project. And this year, Michael and Chrissy O'Mahony in Kilbarry West in Dunmanway, they're donating the proceeds of their Christmas lights to the West Cork Rapid Response and Coaction in Dunmanway. And I know a number of houses are beautifully lit up for Christmas and many of them year in, year out do it for various charities. I mean, that's the West Cork Rapid Response and Coaction in Dunmanway 
Galway two very worthwhile causes so please support those homes that have lit up and please donate to those charities because all of those charities have been so affected uh, due to the this year's pandemic We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after 1pm on C103 with your local mace Where you're sure to find a friendly smile this Christmas C103 uh, does some of your texts come in? Claire said that there is a very big queue on the N25. Now, I went on to a, a road watch and I can't see them reporting anything, so I don't know what it is, whether it is just to do with the road works on the road or something. If anybody knows or has further information on that, uh, please let us know. And Meg is worried about this uh, idea of a charge for the fire service by Cork County Council, this new fee that they've, they're going to be introducing. It's for fire service attendance charge for private domestic properties capped at €1,500. Meg is worried uh, and feels it's ridiculous to introduce charges because it might stop somebody calling the fire brigade for fear that they're going to get charged and then if they, you know, try and put it out themselves and God, you would just, that that doesn't even bear thinking about Meg but she reckons a bigger fire could uh, ensue because of it and that would leave her really, really nervous. Uh, 1850 333 103. I was reading a lovely piece in the paper today if you're a fan of Mrs. Brown and Mrs. Brown's boys every year they do Christmas specials it's usually it's on usually on Christmas Day and or is it Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve or Christmas Day and New Year's Day there's always two Christmas specials from Mrs. Brown's boys and there was talk uh, in the last number of months because of COVID and the restrictions and all of that that there'd be no Mrs. Brown's boys this Christmas and sure what would we do without Mrs. Brown's boys at Christmas special but there's a lovely piece in the paper from the wonderful Brendan O'Carroll to say that they have managed to record two Mrs. Brown's boys Christmas specials for this year. Now he was talking about just how difficult it was to make these two festive episodes. Of course, Brendan now lives in Florida and along with his wife, Jennifer, who of course plays his daughter in it, they flew back from Florida to go to Glasgow. They always record these programmes in uh, Glasgow. But he said it was the episodes were really difficult to make because of COVID-19. And obviously it's made by the BBC. And he said that they have really, really strict guidelines around COVID-19 as it should be look as it should be and there's 42 people in total between cast and crew that work on Mrs Brown's uh, boys and they said you know anything the smallest thing like he said for example they were in the middle of a scene and someone would shout cut because two of the cameramen had come within a certain distance of each other obviously the cameramen had to maintain the two metre social distancing so they'd be forced to separate and they'd have to start all over again and then start the scene all over um, and then restart filming the scene and then he said there was other parts where everyone had to be cleared off the set and then they would completely deep clean spray it all down then they'd go back in again and obviously during the filming and in the lead up to the, the, the filming everybody had to be COVID tested and he said he had eight COVID tests during the time that they were making the two shows and at one stage there was a bit of a COVID-19 scare on uh, set and uh, he what seemingly happened was the tests came back and eight of the 42 were inconclusive including Brendan's so they were all immediately sent into a dressing room separated locked in they had to wait to get retested and then finally they all came back negative and they were they were able to get back and usually he said it's a two hour recording is what it would take 
to get the 30 minute show that we would see on TV. He said it took 12 hours and it was really, really laborious at times. And I can't wait to see it to see will we notice how laborious it was for Brendan and the rest of the crew. I'm sure we won't see a thing. And he said that he nearly cried when they finished the final scene and to say that they got it done and dusted. But he said the good news is he's delighted to now say there will be a Mrs Brown's Boys on uh, Christmas Day and on New Year's Day and he said it was just such a great, great feeling. And of course, Brendan O'Carroll himself, he's one of those really generous, kind guys who it was only discovered, he was doing it for many years before anybody found out, out about it. And I think it was Joe Duffy discovered he was doing it and then people started going public and, and saying it. He helps out disadvantaged families, mainly in the Dublin area through the societies of Vincent de Paul. He gives out, now this year, it's normally turkeys. They give out turkeys and hams and make, they make sure that families, needy families in Dublin have a really good Christmas dinner. And this year they're giving out you know, the, the prepaid uh, credit cards so that people can go out and buy a turkey and a ham and the other bits and bobs uh, that people need. And this year they're going to be helping out 2,482 families. Bearing in mind on a year that Brendan O'Carroll has had little or no earnings, but he said they committed to it at the start of the year and he's not going to let them down, which is just um, fantastic. And he, But he has noticed that he's worked with charity this year, that more middle income earners are in need of help, which would be backed up by our own society of uh, St Vincent de Paul. So the wonderful Brendan O'Carroll, generous as always, but just to let people know if you are a fan. And there, I know there are people, and probably people listening to me now, who absolutely do not get Mrs Brown's Boys and they watch it and can't see what everybody else laughs at. It took me a while. I loved the books. I remember when Brendan started writing the books and I remember interviewing at the time that he read the books and there was a bit of a snobbery around some of the books at the time. But I remember a listener contacted us after I'd had Brendan on the programme to say that it was, and she was a woman in her 50s and it was the first full book she read from cover to cover. She just never got a love of reading when she was younger and went through all of her adult life never reading a book and she was in her 50s and she'd heard Brendan talk with me on the programme and went out and bought the book and it was the first book she read and I often wondered afterwards did she go on to read other books but I thought that that was a great gift that somebody had actually read a book from a first book from cover to cover because Brendan O'Carroll sat down and decided to write Mrs Brown's Boys at that stage they were ju- it was just a book and then it went on the, the second book came out and then of course from there it went on to be the TV sensation that it was and as I say some people love it and other people just cannot see the funny side of it at all but if you are a fan you will be glad to hear that there will be uh, two episodes as always both RT and BBC will air on Christmas Day and New Year's Eve uh, Mrs Brown's Boys Christmas Special. Jan-Elise Russell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic uh, joins me. Good afternoon Jan-Elise. Good afternoon Patricia. And you are very welcome and I have lots and lots and lots of questions into let's see if we can get through as many as we can. May in Mitchellstown was on. She's looking for the advice on the wearing of her face masks mask. Her problem is her glasses get fogged up. She has very bad eyesight and now she's getting to the stage where she's afraid to go shopping because the glasses are fogging up. She tried an anti-fog spray that she got at the opticians but that's not helping her. She also tried a special cloth but that didn't work. Have you any suggestions to stop the glasses fogging up? It's a bit no, unusual. unfortunately not. Patricia, no, it's a really it's, like, it's desperate. You know, when you're trying to fumble for your money, you can't see your money. It's horrible. The only thing I could suggest there is rather than wear the uh, face mask, maybe she could get one of the face visors that don't um, fog up as much as possible and just be a little bit more vigilant then about 
sanitizing and not touching her face with her hands. Um, and that way she should be a little bit more comfortable. They're probably not quite as safe as the masks, but actually a lot of the research is showing anyway that the masks will, it's more about preventing you from passing it on than preventing you from getting the, the virus. So Yeah, and you, and you don't want somebody to stop almost become isolated by no. for fear of going out. No, you still need and you still need to go out and do your bits and, and yeah. you know, get your, your own shot like get your own messages and meet people. So I think the visor would be a good alternative and I've seen those for sale in supermarkets and pharmacies so they should be no problem to get. Okay. All hi Annalise. What causes gout and what can you use to help with it? Would turmeric tablets be okay to take uh, when you have gout? That's from Anne. Yes, so gout is um, often mistaken for arthritis, Patricia, but actually gout is very different even though it does cause arthritis. It's down to the build-up of something called uric acid in the bloodstream. Now, most of us are very efficient at getting rid of uric acid, but for some people genetically, for what, exactly why we don't know, it seems to build up to levels in their blood where it gets so concentrated that it starts crystallizing and it then gets stored in between the joints. Generally, the first places to get affected are the big toe and the thumbs. But I have seen people in the shop, Patricia, with the crystals actually coming through the skin. The gout is so bad. So the best treatment for it actually is cherry juice because that can help rid the body of uric acid naturally so it doesn't get to concentrations where it builds up and causes crystals. You need to take it every day. It's very good for lots of other things. Some people take cherry juice to relax and calm at night time before sleep. It's great for blood pressure. There's a lot of lovely resveratrol in it. So there's heart healthy, there's things healthy for the eyes. There's so many reasons to take cherry juice every day. But if it's for gout, you would want to take at least one tablespoon of the concentrate in a big pint glass of water. Or you would want to take a small glass of the tart cherry juice sold by Biona. And you can also get a supplement by Solgar, which is a powder you mix in, which has got the cherry extract and the turmeric in it and a bit of nettle as well for gout. OK. Any natural remedies for piles, says John? Yes. Yeah, so I suppose if there's the, the best thing that I've seen work in the shop is the Dr. Delish Clare Witch Hazel Cream. It's very, very good. And I sell a lot of it to pregnant women so they know if it works or not. Okay. Um, but generally it is about making sure that you have a comfortable bowel movement, that you're not straining and putting pressure on the, the piles that grow because it's when you're straining that they will swell and become very uncomfortable and painful. So the most simplest thing to do, Patricia, is to add a tablespoon of psyllium husk. It's spelled P-S-Y-L-L-I-U-M husk. And it's literally the husk of a plant that goes into a very jelly-like fibre. So it's really good to soften a hard stool, but it actually can also bring form to a very loose stool. And um, that can, you should have that at least every day, one tablespoon on your breakfast cereal. OK, advice, please, for somebody recovering from uh, shingles. Could Annalise uh, rec- recommend something for somebody recovering from shingles? Uh, she got the shingles about eight weeks ago. Yeah, shingles can be really hard to recover from. It's a virus. So like any virus, a lot of people will experience post-viral fatigue. Generally, what I recommend for shingles is a combination of a tonic to increase the energy. And I think the source of life gold, there's nothing quite like it because it does give you a great boost very quickly. Um, That's by the company called Nature's Plus, source of life gold. And then I'm very fond of the olive leaf extract liquid for as a very strong natural antiviral. Um, and I've had used it over the years for people with shingles after effects and with to great um, effect and feedback. So you probably need to take at least 10 mils of that twice a day 
um, for the first bottle um, with the source of life gold and hopefully that will get you back on the right track. Uh, could Annalise recommend anything in the health shop for somebody suffering from depression? Depression is always a very difficult one, Patricia, and actually we're seeing an awful lot of it at the moment. To be honest, very few people are sick, so I'm selling far less of the cough and cold remedies that I'd normally sell, and I'm selling a lot more of anxiety, sleep, stress remedies. So there is a lovely herb that can help with depression um, called St. John's Wort, but unfortunately you need to have a prescription from your doctor for that. But that is something that you could consider. Otherwise, then, we're really looking at kind of supporting the body's ability to cope with difficulties and stress. So there are a number of supplements that are worth trying for that. Viridian do a lovely one called Enhanced Rhodiola Complex, and there's a number of different herbs in there meant to sort of support you when you've been through a stressful time and are finding it hard to cope. Also, we're selling a lot of the cannabis oil at the moment, Patricia, and that's very good because it works almost immediately to help you feel a little bit calmer and a little bit better. So um, different health shops will have different types, but the one we sell here, the Cannabis Gold, the 10% one we get wonderful feedback on for anxiety and depression. Um, so you'll try that. It's, it's called Cannabis Gold, and it's the 10% one that you're looking for. Um, and then if you're having difficulty sleeping at night, something like the Valerian um, Relax Blend is very good from Dr. Delish Clare. Or you could also try the Dormazan, which again just brings you down to a sort of a kind of nice, gentle, calm level so you can sleep naturally. Okay. Hi, um, Annalise. Do you sell in your health shop a vegan cookbook called Radiant? No, I'm sorry, I don't, but um, it sounds like it could be nice. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, there's there's a big, huge interest in vegan cookbooks at the moment, Patricia, so um, I must look that one up and see if it's nice. Okay. Hi, Patricia Annalise. I'm feeling tired, no energy some days. Is there anything I can take to boost energy? I tried the liquid gold, but I didn't agree with my tummy. Oh. Okay. That can happen. I mean, it is it is a natural uh, food-based supplement, Patricia, so there'd be a lot of greens in there and a lot of superfoods in there. And for some people, the greens just don't agree with them. Um, so it's a difficult one, really. I, what I would suggest in this case is something with iron in it. I generally find that if people take the source of life gold and if they don't feel good on it, if they don't get a boost, it often could be because they're low in iron and there isn't much iron in that particular one. So the Oxylent, O-X-Y-L-E-N-T, they do a prenatal one, which is a very, very good quality multivitamin. Um, but there is a nice amount of iron in there as well. So you'll get a good boost of your iron. And if that's not bringing you up, then it really isn't a tonic that you need. There is something else going on, possibly again, you know, at this time of the year, Patricia, plus as well of the year we've had, I think I'm seeing a lot of tiredness from people, but it's really because they're slightly low energy, um, you know, in mood and anxious and just everyone's feeling a bit down and hopeless at the moment. So it might be a more stress support remedy that you're looking for in that case. And then Alyssa says, uh, what would you recommend? I wake up feeling choked every morning. It just seems to be in the bedroom and then after a little while it's passed. Okay, could be two things. I suppose the first thing it would be um, to ask would be, is there mucus? So if it's a nasal drip and are you getting bunged up at the back? Um, if it is that, you can take herbs like Ivy and Thyme or the Dr. Delish Clare Mucotone to help dry up the, her, the, the mucus. You could particularly take it at night 
going to bed to prevent it build up at night. But if it's not mucus, then it's possible that you're getting a bit of acid reflux coming from the stomach that has caused a bit of burn and inflammation and gives you that tight choking feeling in your chest. It's much more common to get those symptoms at night when you're lying down because if the little valve is weak, stomach acid can come up or the fumes. So most people who get that, you know, who have reflux or silent reflux will feel worse in the morning when they wake. Okay, and actually a number of people are offering advice to the lady with the fogged up glasses. Hi Patricia, I heard you mention the lady whose glasses fog up because of the face mask. I use the surgical masks and I put the side with the wire under my chin and pull the mask up under the frame of my glasses and it works for me. I think the cloth masks just covers the tip of your nose and that can cause the fogging up to be worse. It just might be worth a try. Hi Patricia, tell the lady with the glasses problem that the higher up you keep the top of the mask on your nose, the less fogging of the glasses. That's from Sean in Enniskeen. And hi to the lady with the glasses. I also wear glasses. And if you pull the mask up a little bit higher and secure it on the bridge of the nose with a plaster, it prevents the glasses from fogging up. It's just a tip that might help. So thank you. People are being kind to offer suggestions. But it's, it's a global thing. I think anyone who wears glasses will tell you they battle with the masks. Absolutely. And another big thing as well, Patricia, is people getting spots, especially young people who have to wear their masks in school all day. And actually, I have definitely noticed a disimprovement in my sinuses hugely myself wearing the mask all day. So what I've been doing is uh, recommending for myself and recommending for others is that you spray the inside of the mask with a little bit of um, colloidal silver to keep it disinfected and to keep the germs away if you have to wear your mask all day. And that will prevent... um, you know, the germs irritating your skin or the bacteria thriving in that damp environment. So it is good for young people with spots. And then with the sinus, I've been adding a few drops of the eucalyptus oil in with the spray just to keep the airways clear during the day. Lister says, would Annalise agree that there's less colds and flus around because of all the hand sanitising and the face mask wearing? Absolutely, Patricia. And also because we're not mixing, you know. And also in kids in school, as soon as there's a sniffle, they're kept home, so they're not spreading it around to the rest of the class and they're in their pods. So for all those reasons, there's far less uh, flu and coughs and colds. I've sold very little this year, but unfortunately, as I said, I'm selling a huge amount more of stress, can't sleep, feeling depressed, feeling anxious remedies. So, um, yes, yeah, so even though we're not getting this sick, I'm afraid that it is definitely taking a toll on our mental health. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll talk again next week. Annalise, thank you for that. Thanks, Have a lovely Patricia. week. And so Annalise Russell of the Health Hub, Times Square, Ballincall. And that's where I have to leave you for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy for working on the programme. And I'm back with you tomorrow morning at, at 10 o'clock. And John Paul will be back after his uh, long weekend. So we'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Look after yourself and stay safe. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.